0: They were just like, man, I think it's time. We need to take her to the ER. Like she's not okay. Yeah. So we jumped in the car and took her over to the hospital. And and Tamara, that was probably the lowest low. That was it. Yeah. That was the moment. She was in heart failure.
1: Today, I'm excited to introduce a friend of mine who was born in St. George, Utah, and has also lived in Texas, which is where I met her when our family lived in Texas. She went to Dixie State, and there she met and married her husband, Justin. She also gave birth to her first daughter, Sarah, there. And when she gave birth to Sarah at age 20, Sarah had a lot of challenges from the minute she first took breath. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then her second baby, when she was pregnant with him, he had cysts on his brain and they were really worried about how that would work out. She has experienced with her husband job loss, miscarriage. They've lived through hurricanes, uh, bed rest, she's also struggled with depression anxiety and panic attacks and was finally diagnosed with a soft form of being bipolar they now live in utah and are on the board of directors for the prader Willie syndrome association they love traveling and this is appropriate since her husband is a pilot and her family is her passion and one interesting thing about her is if she had to get a job she would love to make money organizing other people's houses (laughs) (laughs) so without further ado i'm excited to introduce my friend megan croft megan are you ready to share your story of hope i am awesome well, let's dive in. So, let's start off talking with Sarah. She was your first baby and normal pregnancy. Yes, very normal pregnancy. Normal pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Take us to the delivery room and where everything started going a little crazy.
0: Yeah, well, I, we got a call early in the morning that I was to go to the hospital and be induced because she was like a week overdue. Oh. Um, yes, and so we showed up at the little St. George Hospital over there. Anyways, the birth was very quick, very, very quick. From start to finish, it was about an hour and a half.
1: This was, did they induce you or was she C-section? Yes,
0: so induction and first babies don't usually go fast.
1: No, they do not.
0: Yes, and so she came very quickly, and when she was born, she was blue. Oh, no. All the APGAR scores, you know, that they scored your babies on were all zeros. Mm -hmm. She was blue, not breathing. There was a respiratory team there to just grab her and get her to start breathing on her own and then they
2: wow
0: really she didn't have a cry like I didn't even hear her um that just took her from me like we didn't have any idea what was going on and they rushed her down the hallway off to go take care of her and we didn't get to hold her or see her and they brought her back to me later after she was stabilized and warm and Mm -hmm. had coloring back in her and um the doctors really didn't say it a whole lot to me, but I, we started to notice things when I tried to breastfeed her, and she did not even have any type of a sucking reflex or wow. a desire to feed or eat, and was just very weak. Um, I kept hearing comments from the pediatrician that would come, that was on call to come check on her about how she's choose weight and birth, and she's only 5 pounds she seems weak and kind of, do you see how loose her skin is? Like that she's lost oh. weight. And I didn't know anything. Like as far as I knew, her her health had, was fine. We weren't expecting to have any health issues, health problems.
2: Right, right.
0: Um, a lot of us have heard how there's a hole in, the, in our baby's hearts when they're first born. Um, and one of the reasons why they need to scream and cry is that actually helps close up that hole oh, in that Really? Heart. And sometimes it won't close, but the pediatricians will tell you that, oh, it could still close up in the next few days. It's sometimes a normal thing.
1: So did they did they see a hole in her heart? Yes. They did.
0: Yes. Um, they were in communication. This is years ago. Uh, what, eighteen? Right. Seventeen years ago, and so small hospital in St George they would communicate with the hospital up in Salt Lake City. Right. Called Primary Children's Hospital. Cardiologists and things on call, they would send pictures up to them. Right. So they eventually, she was, she'd was she been in the hospital for a week down in St. George as all this is going on. Uh-huh. And they eventually released us um, with an appointment. A primary children's hospital would come up and see the cardiologist because that hole in her heart wasn't closing. Oh, gosh. So we were released and we went home. I was actually setting up an appointment with a pediatrician on the phone, and she turned bright blue on me <gasps> right after I got done feeding her with an NG2. Wow.
2: Um,
0: and so I yelled on the phone, and the nurse said, you just come to our office it's like a block away. It's oh really close. Oh, my gosh. I, and my mom rushed me down the street to the pediatrician's office. It would have taken longer for 911.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
0: So she started to gain color and on the scary car ride over there sorry. We got in the doctor's office and this doctor of ours was really special. He was an amazing doctor. He just grabbed her and cradled her and grabbed the oxygen. And after things settled down and we got her back breathing, he was a man of great faith. He Mm -hmm. would pray with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And he decided that we needed to go now to Mm -hmm. go up to Salt Lake. To go see that cardiologist. So yeah. We needed to figure out what was rocking this little baby's body. We were questioning back and forth whether we should call light at one point. Oh gosh! Or to just let her drive, let us drive her up there.
1: That's like a five-hour drive, right? Yes,
0: it's a five-hour drive. So she eventually stabilized well enough and was doing. I mean, we hung out for a few hours, yeah, though, as you can imagine, you did.
1: after a scare like so, that, I'd be scared to
0: leave. Yes, 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 exactly. So, we eventually felt okay about let's just take the oxygen. I actually had my mom sitting there with me, I had my husband's support. Like, I feel like we could do this. We can yeah. get in the car, we can drive up there. We've got a cardiology appointment first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. we had an oximeter on her as well and we were safe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> we were able to watch her oxygen levels and such. As we would go higher elevation, her oxygen levels would drop. Got a little further north and drove straight to my sister's house that lived a few miles away from the hospital. Right. Where we had the appointment. Right. Um, so luckily we had family.
2: That is good.
0: Sarah's her oxygen was stabilized at that right. time. Um while we were in the middle of eating the oxygen water kept dropping, my husband went in the room and said, You know, my my brother in law were just checking on her making me eat. Yeah. <laughs> so You've I could take, take care, care of yourself. yourself. Yeah. Yes, and they are just like, Man, I think it's time we need to take her to the ER. Right. Like, this isn't upholding, like she's not okay. Yeah. So we tucked dinner away and jumped in the car and took her over to the hospital and
1: So did you take her to primary children's time? Primary
0: children's hospital. Very good. ER, that's where the cardiology equipment was the next morning. And Tamara, that was probably the lowest slow of any of the trials that you just named off that i went mm-hmm. through. That was that was that was it. Yeah. That was the moment. She was in heart failure. Oh my god. And as much oxygen as those doctors would put on her, her heart wasn't okay and her oxygen wasn't upholding. And her heart was very enlarged just Those are the things we were hearing from doctors, and not a lot we weren't hearing from the doctors because they were so attentive on this little bare body Yeah, that was laying there on the table. Justin and I got shoved across the room over on another bed. That would have been for an adult in the Mm -hmm. ER, but we sat and clung to each other. (laughs) My bed, I'll never forget that room. And then... at one point, um, the alarms were going off. I'm not sure. I can't remember if it was cold blue or what kind of code <laughs> it was. <laughs> but we know doctors rushed to that room and stood around her. Really, I felt lifeless. was slow at that time. I kept poking and poking. And, um, I remember praying a lot. And that night, I was still praying, Father, save her. My father, take this from her. Please don't let him poke about her one more time. I can't see her in that pain. I was scared. I was worried that I'd never get to meet this little girl who she really was. Erase her. And I wanted i wanted that opportunity with her. I'd waited to be a mom a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Those were my, the kind of hers that mm-hmm. were going through me. And there was one significant moment I will never, ever forget. And it was when my prayer changed to, Father, take her. It's time. Please take her. I can't watch her go through this pain anymore. I can't. Mm -hmm. And I started to say things like, I can live a life without her. I know you'll help me do that. I know that I won't be okay. It will hurt every single day, but please take her. And then... My prayer changed to, Father, do whatever it is that that wants to happen here. Whatever it is for this little girl, for family and Tamara. The alarms and the oxygen stack started to come back. It started to stabilize. But she was stabilized enough to where doctors and nurses started to step away and disappear. (laughs) And then doctors were able to talk to us. And... You know, inform us that she's in heart failure. Her heart is very enlarged. Um, They never said anything to us like heart transplant or things like that. But they said, if anyone, if you need anyone to be here to see this baby alive, it's probably time. Um, Wow. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. Call. What a thing to do. Yes. Um, We had parents. My mom was there, Um, but. my husband's parents still were down in St. Georgia. My dad was still in St. George. That's where he was. And we got them on the phone. And I remember my dad saying, What do you mean, Megan? What can I do? And I remember just crying. And not even able to get it out, but just saying, I need my dad. Dad, I'm not sure you'll see her alive. I'm his fourth daughter. <laughs> and one of, you know, I have a little brother, but then his baby. had things and <laughs> season, he came. And... My in-laws are so good. They came. They came for Justin. They came for us. Luckily, they were able to admit Sarah to the hospital, and she ended up staying there for a month. Wow. (laughs) She stayed alive. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) We went through lots of tests, lots of things every single day, as you can imagine. Uh Uh-huh. And, um... We had family visit and come all the time. The nurses said we won the award for best family support. <laughs> we were always getting phone calls and support. It was a difficult time. It was. Yeah. We never did find out. We we knew what was wrong with her heart. We eventually found out through all those testings that she had a VSD that was large. That was. Nine millimeter wide for a little five pound baby.
1: So, explain what a BSD is.
0: A ventricle septic defect, which is the hole in our heart that you hear people talk about all the time. And hers was very low Uh in her heart and back far. So, that was significant because when you talk um, heart surgery to repair a heart, like a hole like that, very difficult to get to.
2: Oh, I see.
0: And when you have a very weak baby and a very, like, failure to thrive she yeah. was diagnosed yeah and um, they weren't wanting to do heart surgery yeah on this baby um and so they would, couldn't just talk about it and then no no no, no. we can't we can't
1: because she was so little so
0: little was so weak
1: just five pounds five
0: pounds prader really syndrome now we know mm-hmm. our babies like this their failure mm-hmm. to thrive they're very weak they don't suck They don't move. They don't cry. The little cries just sound like little tiny, kitty cat whines. You know, just super, super weak baby. So what the doctors didn't know at that time and wouldn't for a few years is that she had this Prader-Willi syndrome. They were looking for some type of a syndrome with the heart failure that we were looking for. Right, right. So the other thing she had going on in her heart that we did find out in that month was called Epstein anomaly, which is a valve. That just doesn't close all the way. Gotcha. So if those valves are severely impaired, then uh-huh. usually the babies won't survive. Wow. Like even weeks of life. Um, hers was minor, so they kept a close eye on that. But as you can imagine, you know, seeing a little heartbeat or pump on the screen every time we'd go for an echocardi. Cardiogram, the reds and the blues were all flowing where they weren't supposed to be flowing. <laughs> oh. So anyway, she was just a very sick little baby. And so they got her on heart medications and things. we able to stabilize her and teach me how to feed her by an NG tube. That's where the tube goes through their nose and down to their belly.
1: So that she, because she wasn't sucking.
0: Because she wasn't sucking. She wasn't able to nurse, not able to feed wow. from a bottle. But I would, as a mom, I would go through the whole process of um, pumping and saving oh, breast milk to feed to her. Uh-huh. So we would mix it, mix it with a higher concentrate of formula to help give her extra calories. Right. Power she milk. She needed it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And so I was doing that every two hours and sending a little oh, mom. And then we would try and bottle feed her as well. She ended up... Um, having that NG tube down her until she was a year old. Wow. When we were finally able to teach her how to eat enough fluids out of a cup because she still was not able to suck out of straws or whatever when she was a year old.
1: So did she ever
0: get heart surgery? She never had heart surgery. Really? It's a miracle. It, It really is. I mean, we would talk about it and think that she needed it. And as she's grown older her heart has actually, that VSD that we talked about, the yeah. in Her heart has actually closed up. So it's so small that it, it doesn't need to be repaired at this time. Wow. So the SD, yes. only that valve that wouldn't close all the, all the way, um, it has always been watched. Um, And it, she's okay. Like they're saying that maybe they might repair it when she's a 40 or 50 year old woman. Right. Maybe. Right, you know, we're gonna keep an eye on it, but I really, I believe it's a miracle of why God has helped those two little heart problems heal enough that she lives a very healthy life as far as her heart goes.
1: That's that really is amazing. Yes. So the miracle there was you being able to change your prayers and being able to say Thy will be done, basically, which. I can only imagine it was probably the hardest prayer of your life. Yes, <laughs> yes it was. But sometimes um, I've had to reach that point too. And I know others I've interviewed have as well. And sometimes I think God just wants to know that we're willing to say, I will be done. And sometimes then the miracle happens. And sometimes then, you know, people pass on. And that's that's the hardest thing of saying I will be done and is we have to be okay with God's will, even though we're not often, right. you know. Right. That is the hardest thing ever. Wow. I
0: think it is the hardest thing. I believe that that's where it all turned. Yeah. When I was willing to say that and change my prayer, change my heart. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So not very long after this, you got pregnant again. You felt God wanted you to have another one. And that wasn't smooth sailing either. No, it was not. So talk us through that.
0: That was a difficult decision. I
1: I oh, was yeah. young.
0: I was very young. Yeah. I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so then. But looking back in hindsight, I was just growing up myself. Yeah. And um, Justin and I, we always were prayerful about what the Lord's will was for us and mm-hmm. what we should be doing, of course. But we started to feel this prompting that, there was a little spirit to come to our family. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit of an unusual time. It was about when Sarah was a year old that we were really getting serious about this prayer. Like, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: what do we do about children? And God, what is it that you want?
2: Yes. What do you
0: want us to do? What do you have for us? Yeah. What are you going to send us? (laughs) So we would do a lot of scripture reading, a lot of praying, Um, we felt like we came home one night full, that it was time that we needed to have this baby. And sure enough, I got pregnant and I, I won't lie. There was a lot of judgment passed upon us, uh, from friends and close people to us. And, um, we had a daughter sitting there that we weren't sure exactly what the syndrome was yet. Right. Right. geneticists that we would meet with every four to six months up at the primary Chains hospital we're looking for still Right. we weren't sure exactly what Sarah's all her health problems were because so we knew there was more there we knew there was more than this little heart these two little heart problems there and right. um, she was still being fed by NG2 you know uh-huh. she was still very sick um, but we knew we knew it was the Lord's will and I think that's why we had that hope that we had that desire to do this and bring another spirit into our home and our I was treated like a high-risk pregnancy.
1: I bet, after that first one.
0: Yes, and at this time, now we didn't live in Safe George anymore, we were up at Salt Lake, so we lived close to the hospital. Yeah. So we had a lot of really neat professionals at our fingertips, and
2: right.
0: this particular time we went in for an ultrasound, um, and they just do them really early when you are a high-risk pregnancy mm-hmm. like that. Um, what we needed to worry about was there was like a 50-50 chance we could have a child with a heart problems. Sarah oh,
2: gotcha. So
0: we were watching that heart carefully oh, of this you little were. baby and um, it was an interesting ultrasound as the technician was going around on things and the baby and she was quiet. She was quiet. Justin and I were joking mm-hmm. and having fun and my mom actually happened to be visiting with us just that day and came into the ultrasound as well and Mm -hmm. um it's not a great feeling when the technician walks out and says i'll be right back and go get someone that can talk to
1: you oh gosh
0: i didn't want to hear that very bad (laughs) yes (laughs) and the doctor proceeded to come back and explain to us that our little child has cysts on his brain Wow. And they were quite large cysts, and he showed us on the monitor and then proceeded to tell us that these cysts sometimes will turn into what's called trisomy 18, where these babies will have rock-bottom feet and clenched-up little hands. And if they survive birth, uh, will only live for maybe a couple weeks. Wow.
1: At oh, gosh. And, <laughs> and This on top of what you already are dealing with. Yes. What, were you, what were you thinking? Seriously. It was difficult.
0: It was really hard, and I thought, why? Why, Lord? You told us that you had another spirit for us. <laughs> that's not for us. <laughs> that's that's a, a quick hello, and then <laughs> on taking him from you, you know, that's yeah. what was going through my head. It yeah. was really difficult, and this awesome, awesome doctor that we had was so good with us, uh-huh. but he, um, later we saw him in the week in his office after he got the results from the ultrasound and. He's proceeded to tell us, you know, I'm here for you. We're, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, an option you have is we can go in and do an amniocentesis on this baby, mm-hmm. which is a little bit risky.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but that's where they stick the large needle inside yeah. of the mother's room and, and test that baby's blood to really see what's going on in that body. And and he said, you know, I feel like maybe that's something that you guys need. So you have some hope or just more knowledge or what Mm -hmm. are we really dealing with us with right now Uh um and so he gave us that option he said you know you can go in and and go do that next ultrasound that you get so we had a few weeks to sit and wait in those couple of weeks um i would say i questioned a lot i questioned a lot Mm -hmm. um was it a faith crisis yes i think it was um habits of my faith have always been important to me over the years they kept me afloat and Mm -hmm. i look back at that those couple of weeks and i was keeping those habits of praying and reading scriptures and going to church but i think i didn't feel it yeah so i think that's why i call that a little faith crisis i was
1: having so you're going through the motions
0: going through the motions because i knew i needed to i knew in my past Mm -hmm. that when i did those things i would feel close to god and like find peace So I was going through those motions to hopefully feel that way. And I wasn't feeling it. No. I asked that I would be prayed over by some people close to me right before we went into this amniocentesis. And it was a special, special blessing prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt really close to the spirit. I started to feel peace. And this is like the night before we went in to go have this done. And when we sat there in that room, the doctor actually was quite abrupt with us and said, why are you here? And Justin and I looked at each other and we just thought, well, really, do we have to tell you how sick our daughter is sitting at home and everything yeah. we've been through? Like, this is why we're here. And he flipped the screen and showed us there is no cyst on this baby spray.
2: Wow.
0: Why are you here? Wow. <laughs> and it was just Tamara. That was a flip. And I'd like to say that, oh, my faith came back and my faith crisis didn't happen because of that miracle that happened. But I'll tell you, it happened right before that blessing I had asked to go in. It happened when I was praying. I had words go through my head that were not my words that I usually speak to myself. Do you know what I mean? I didn't recognize that as my voice in my head. I recognized it as someone else. Someone else was speaking to me and said the words to me. How special are you, no matter what happens, to be a part of bringing one of my children into this world? And then there was kind of silence, and then those words came back to me. And how special is this child? It needs to be born and have a body. Mm -hmm. It's my plan for him. And that brought me peace. God's watching, God's protecting. Mm -hmm. Okay, he does have, he's aware, he knows this, and he's right. I felt a boost of strength and hope in that moment when those words came into my mind that, um, you know what, if that happens, if he is born with these rock bottom feet and he's clutched hands and doesn't survive, you're right. And how special am I? How special is this child mm-hmm. that he and this, that me and this child are a part of that significant moment for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know all the reasons why, but I felt great pay- peace, my great peace great love from God and then sitting there on that table again Uh as the doctor flipped that screen Mm -hmm. to show us there's no sis here Uh, (laughs) you don't need to be here um and the rest of that pregnancy Tamara was a reminder of that God knows God's aware mm -hmm. and I'll say um his little delivery wasn't easy I it was very difficult and Spencer was um three weeks early oh wow we hadn't prepared adequately. Justin, we sent him to go um, register us into the hospital, oh, and I went upstairs by myself. And the nurse, but she had just given me a gown to go in the bathroom and go get changed, and I started hemorrhaging <gasps> all over. Scared me to death. I had no way to call the nurses or for help. The bed wasn't plugged up. I was searching for something. And so I just started to yell, somebody help me. (laughs) Please, somebody. I need somebody's help. And do you know who the first person that came in was actually the doctor? Oh, wow. And he rushed in and he said, I knew you needed me. So then all over everybody just starts hustling and bustling around me to help me. And he needed to stop this bleeding. Um, Come to find out, I guess there was a bunch of blood vessels um, at the opening, that just needed to be stopped. That wow. if this baby would come down far enough, fast enough, then the bleeding would probably stop. He told me
2: wow.
0: um, that wasn't happening. Oh
2: gosh,
0: I was praying. I was starting to feel intense pain, as you can imagine, and yeah. just worried. And all at once, um, Justin walked in and the anesthesiologist walked in at the same
1: time. Hallelujah.
0: <laughs> yes, so I get Justin over and I say, I need you to pray over right now. Mm-hmm. As soon as Justin closes his prayer, the bleeding stops. Wow. And it's okay. Yeah. And the anesthesiologist had gotten there, and it was all right. And literally, Spencer was in my arms like 20 minutes later. Wow. It was just a blessing. And I was bawling. Oh Not only because things were okay, was because Spencer was screaming oh. when he was born. He was screaming. Hold oh, my baby. Mm-hmm. My happened? Me and I wanted him to just, just keep screaming <laughs> I just wanted him really strong and healthy mm-hmm. and he was bright pink okay. <laughs> it was the best thing i would ever seen in mm-hmm. my life God was there and he yeah. heard our prayers mm-hmm. and he knew I needed that all to happen at that moment mm-hmm. and it came it came for me a miracle that I needed and, yeah. and you know Tamara that little boy we, our family needed him
2: yeah I needed him he is a
0: really really special special spirit mm-hmm. Sarah needs her brother That's
1: awesome. So you mentioned before that Sarah was officially diagnosed with Prader-Willi syndrome when she was three or four? Mm -hmm. Three years old. Three Mm -hmm. years old. And so why don't you tell us a little bit more about what this is, educate us on on this syndrome.
0: So it is actually a chromosome that they are missing. Um, There's a couple ways that that looks. Sarah's is a deletion. Her paternal side of her 15th chromosome just floated off somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that causes problems because you're missing a lot of things in your body you should have. Um, And then there's another way that it manifests itself and it's called UPD or uniparental disomy. So unless you're in biology, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's been a while since I like, took advanced right. biology, so you're gonna have to refresh my right. brain on that. What that
0: means, <laughs> kids that have that upd uh-huh. on their 15th chromosome, is that the maternal side is there twice. Oh, so they're still they've got a couple different things that are different, but a lot of the same symptoms that will manifest with this Prader-Willi syndrome. Okay. There's one other way that you can have the Prader release syndrome, and that's if you're sometimes in a really bad car accident or something like that where you get brain damage at one specific spot. Oh. Then you will get the same symptoms of Prader release syndrome, Interesting. but your chromosomes don't look that same way. Okay, that makes sense. So it's kind of a complicated syndrome. It's not super uh, well known, mm-hmm. kind of rare. Um, doctors are more aware of it nowadays. Um, but at the time when Sarah was born, they were taking blood tests to see if there was additions or deletions or whatever on her chromosomes that would right. help make sense of what was going on in her body. And all these tests were coming back normal, like that there wasn't anything wrong. Hmm. By the time that she was three years old, they had a test out there that was like 100,000 times more accurate, oh. like that it could read the tips of all the ends of all your chromosomes. Hmm. And it came back saying that she had what this is was called Release syndrome well three years old she was doing so well that the doctors didn't believe that it was her blood oh really? <laughs> they wondered if her blood had actually been mixed up because she was starting to speak and she started to walk when she was 18 months old um not really well she wasn't really strong but like that was kind of unheard of for syndrome. so they sent in again for another blood test which happens a lot in the really world mm-hmm. um but there was this one specific test that finally came back and said, no, definitely this is product release syndrome for sure. Mm-hmm. And as Justin and I would read about it and study it, we knew it was our daughter. Mm-hmm. We knew it was, it was true. Um, it's funny because these babies will go from failure to thrive, like we talked about, to all of a sudden when they turn three years old or two years old, mm-hmm. um, they'll flip and they'll start to just eat and eat and eat and eat. Oh, wow. And opposite problem. Complete opposite problem. Yes, like where we were sitting in the therapy trying to entice her to eat with like even hot sauce and like sour drops and like crazy stuff. And then uh-huh. all of a sudden she turned us three years old and she was gaining weight. Like I was having a hard time finding clothes that would fit wow. on her. Mm-hmm. She was getting really chubby. We would find her waking up in the middle of the night and she would go get syrup boxes and the snacks out of the cupboard and sit in front of Barney at the, on the TV and just start to eat up. <laughs> and we'd think people were in our house and, oh, and it would just be Sarah out there just eating, and she wow. would never stop. So really? So she's my first child. Uh-huh. So I also had Spencer, but he was only a baby at that uh-huh. time, but she was constantly eating, and I just thought that was kind of normal, so uh-huh. I just kept feeding her. Yeah. You know, we're healthy eaters, mm-hmm. so it wasn't bad food she was eating, mm-hmm. but she just wouldn't stop. She would uh-huh. never, ever stop. That was symptoms of this prada release Syndrome. Really? They do not ever feel full or satisfied. They will not ever get that satisfied feeling that we do interesting so i've actually had it explained to me by some um release really experts that you know when we're really hungry we want a steak dinner mm-hmm. and we just can't wait for that first bite so good mm-hmm. so good well, product release syndrome they their last bite is still that good really yes. and they'll just keep eating every bite is that wow. good to them So she has this complete obsession, complete OCD over any food, (laughs) which is so hard when they can't stop eating. Oh, yeah. So um, the other thing that's complicated that works against us is that they have really slow metabolism. Oh. So to burn calories and maintain a healthy weight is so difficult for Mm.
2: them. So
0: we have to have nutritionists that keep up on her weight and her diet. She's very developmentally delayed. Mm -hmm. So um, there's kind of a spectrum, sort of like in the autism world, Mm -hmm. of of how that developmental really is.
1: So it can be severe or high-functioning within the Prader-Williams
0: Syndrome. My Sarah, our experience is that she's probably, see, she's 16 years old now, Uh and she's probably at like a fourth or fifth grade level math Mm -hmm. and reading she finally is comprehending it so grand. Oh, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. So she's finally understanding some things that she actually reads. And so, to teach a child that you have this broken tummy, mm-hmm. that you can, you have to stop eating right now,
2: mm-hmm.
0: as a parent, you can imagine is very stressful.
1: Oh, I can imagine. To say, you probably have a lock on your pantry. Yes, I do. Yes, so do I. <laughs> yep.
0: yep. It helps in our world, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does.
0: Yes. So all of our food is all locked up behind a lock and key behind our pantry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a bike lock on my two-sided refrigerator. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to lock up our garbages. Uh, things are not gross to her.
2: Wow. So there
0: was a one time we were out hiking in the mountain and then she leaned over and picked up bird poop and popped it in <gasps> my mouth. And I was like, oh, no, oh. don't do that.
1: Why? All and she
0: food. goes, I it was a chocolate chip. And <laughs> she just proceeded to eat it. And I said, after I got over it for a minute, was that good? And she's like, she just shrugged her shoulders, whatever. <laughs> so it takes a little of supervision. Yeah. As you can imagine. So we're not able to leave her alone. Yeah. I mean, we have a good sense of humor. Yeah. I, when we moved into this house in, in Utah, uh, we couldn't find her anywhere on the day we moved. And. Um, after a while searching and knocking on doors up and down the street, we she had just invited herself into someone's home to go see what they were having for dinner, <laughs> <laughs> and this sweet sweet lady, we've become good friends now, but this sweet lady just had her come in, and <laughs> didn't you know, I guess she assumed it was from the crowd down the street oh, with the U-Haul, her. you know, uh-huh. but just started feeding her, so of course <laughs> Sarah was happy, she was going to stay. <laughs> But So it's a difficult <laughs> syndrome. It's a difficult thing. We can't leave her by herself ever. Wow. Um, it's a hard syndrome. There's tantrums, outbursts, and anger. And usually it's tied back to food somehow. Someday. Oh, I bet. So it's she's the sweetest, sweetest girl. And she loves people. She wow. wants to please. She wants to be so good for her Heavenly Father and uh-huh. Jesus. And, mm-hmm. But there's times that this disability just gets the better of her her little yeah. spirit can't oh wait that physical yeah. body and
1: there's been times, she's just hungry
0: she's just hungry yeah. there's been times where she has kicked me down the stairs oh, and where i've had to have men help carry her out of a church meeting or you know it's a it, we do have like a handicap pass in our car mm-hmm. mostly so that i can park close and say if you act up or i'm leave. parked right here yeah. we're out yeah. we're leaving it's, a, it's difficult it's a it's a difficult um teenage years have been horrible oh
1: gosh i can only imagine
0: um that traces back to another reason why that chromosome is so
1: important is
0: yeah. um your hormones in your body are not correct oh because of that chromosome missing so there's a lot of hormones that are just not right so, as you can imagine, in the teenage world, your hormones really are trying oh, to figure out life. Yeah. <laughs> so, it be, it has become, she's become harder the older that she has gotten.
1: Now, is it supposed to get easier once, I mean, will she even
0: out? I have heard that a lot of times when those hormones even out, they are okay that they are better. I think in okay. like their adult years, um, sometimes not because they're, it's just so different, I think.
1: Different case mis- by case.
0: Uh huh. There's more of a chromosome missing in some kids than there right. are that others. makes others. You know, there's, and so it's case by case. You don't know. Okay. You don't know what's coming, <laughs> which is a very difficult thing as parents in the special needs world. We know that. Yeah. Like yeah. the stress
1: of an unknown future. Yeah. So, that is difficult. Yes. My goodness. So, We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to talk to Megan about anxiety, depression, and being bipolar, and also some of the lessons she has learned along this journey, and her advice that she would share. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon. This book took me 10 years to write, and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus Diagnosis Survival Guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The Diagnosis Survival Guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon and we're back. You mentioned before that all this stress being a special needs parent played into anxiety and depression. Let's talk a little bit about that. I know your family moved to Houston and you had a miscarriage. And then once you did get pregnant, you were placed on strict bed rest. And I can't even imagine how that would be to try to take care of your daughter who had special circumstances and be on bed rest. So why don't you take us to that point?
0: I was on strict bed rest, so I was not allowed to get off that couch. I wow. stayed there all the time, every day, for three whole months. Wow. Um, learned a lot of things from that couch. <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> One of them was to ask for help. Yes. And there was no way I could do anything. So I, another thing that plays into all the stress that I'm building up for mm-hmm. you on Megan Croft mm-hmm. <laughs> is that I'm a pilot's wife. Mm -hmm. so my husband works at the airlines and he's gone days at a time yeah and then home some days and it's great when he's home Mm because when he's home he's awesome he's Mm -hmm. right there with me he's super supportive and he's Mm -hmm. there but when he's gone he's He's gone gone. yeah you don't get any help so um a blessing we had at this time that he was actually laid off from his job at the airlines
1: probably didn't feel like a blessing at the time
0: (laughs) (laughs) no 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 Mm-mm. Looking back, we see that it's a huge blessing. But he—if he had been gone during those three months that I was on bed rest—I'm not sure how we would have made it because we had neighbors and friends come take our kids during the day to take care of things and bring me food, and kind of clean our house and do laundry and things like that. Uh-huh. But he would leave, and he actually had a job at a furniture store selling furniture. Oh, there you go. As a pilot.
2: There you go. <laughs>
0: that was a bit stressful. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard to watch him go through that. But looking back now that he was able to be home at night and he was there to help me with those kids.
1: It was a huge blessing. It was a blessing in disguise. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. I gave birth to Allison finally on the day they let me off bed rest. So (laughs) it worked. (laughs) It worked. And she was a she was not as quick and fast as my other two kids. Yeah. And I bounced back from that birth. Like, I'm so happy to be off that couch. Oh,
2: yeah. I, I was it. making
0: bread early in the morning. And I was teaching preschool and teaching piano lessons again. Mm-hmm. And things were just grand. And I was trekking around along just doing awesome. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. My husband was gone. And I got this, you know, his was furniture. And um, four months into that, my body said no more. And I thought I was having a heart attack and it felt like sharp pains in my back and sharp pains in my chest. And I couldn't breathe. I was standing there talking to Justin in the kitchen and I was was literally like, I couldn't breathe. I was trying to hang upside down on the couch or do whatever I could to just get a breath of air. Mm -hmm. So he stuck me in the car and just drove me straight to the ER.
2: Yeah,
0: Uh, We got in there (laughs) because they weren't taking my heart. (laughs) <laughs> Looking at things like this. They just kept asking me questions of like, are you under a lot of stress? And uh-huh. like, what's going on at home? And I'm going, I don't care what's going on at home. Like, you probably give me oxygen or something. You know, uh-huh. I was mad. I was just really, really frustrated. And that day was the first I'd ever heard of. Wow experience what's called a panic attack you know, but I don't experience a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> I am just fine and sure enough we were on a little journey and met with some other doctors after this and finally realized what they were telling me was true that I am having anxiety attacks and panic attacks and it turned worse after that day. Mm-hmm. It got worse. It got to where I wasn't able to answer my phone. I wasn't able to open my Store. I was able to talk to people look in their eye that was unusual for me I'm a social person
2: mm-hmm. and um,
0: I like being out in the community and staying busy and doing things and mm-hmm. I loved going grocery shopping and doing these things but I couldn't do that anymore
2: mm-hmm.
0: I finally after trying many different therapists found a really good therapist that helped me and I got medicated and that took a road but that was a long road mm-hmm. I need the right medicines that can help me and a certain psychiatrist that I finally landed on Was able to tell me that I had what a soft form of bipolar Mm. And he knew this because as I would tell him about my history He would explain to me that those four months after I had Allison was what was called a manic phase Mm. that I was functioning way beyond what any normal person should be able to function right and Taking care of the special, the special needs kid, and mm-hmm. doing all of those other things I listed off, and he said your body just couldn't handle it physically anymore. Yeah, where well, your mind thought you could, right? You were going, going, and going, and that's why you plummeted, and that's where you hit panic attack and anxiety. And he said your anxiety is getting worse because the medication doctors keep trying to give you isn't for bipolar; it's for it's for anxiety, depression or anxiety, uh, and it's making it worse. It's oh making gosh. you be more anxious, more panic-driven. And these things And that's
1: that how happened. you were feeling at that's
0: the time. That's how I was feeling at the time. And he knew from my history, you know, I was sharing journal entries and things, and then he was mm-hmm. able to recognize his patterns with me, get me medicated. Properly. Properly, for the bipolar. Got my medications leveled out, and then mentioned I found that really neat therapist. I was able to start to figure out why I really was having these anxiety attacks, these panic attacks. And it was stress. Mm -hmm. It was all of these trials, all of these hard things that were on top of me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I thought I was dealing with it okay. But I think being in manic phases of of this bipolar Mm -hmm. was making me feel like I was managing and I was okay. Mm -hmm. And I needed to find out really why. And deal with
1: that. Right. You had to go to the root go of Go to the, the root,
0: figure out how to deal with my stress and manage it.
1: So you mentioned that you started a program mm-hmm. with your therapist. Would you mind talking to us about that and what that helped you do? I had found
0: just through it says this program called Terap. T E R R A P hmm. and it's a structured twenty week program that would help me learn how to deal with stress
2: hmm. and
0: anxiety how to get over it and to help it not debilitate my life anymore right. so that I could function with this. And I, I think it's still there. It's still there in me, but I just, I've learned how to function to where I don't see symptoms of it.
2: That's amazing. Yes.
0: And it was, it was an amazing program. It was, it looked something like a workbook mm-hmm. where she would give me a chapter at a time.
2: Mm-hmm. She
0: would teach me something and then I'd go home and do homework in a week she would have me journaling every single day. I started to begin to see patterns in my journaling. She wanted me writing down my Mm self-talk. Things that were going through my head. Mm -hmm. And that's where I began to uncover some things. Like I was worried about what other people thought of me. Mm
2: -hmm. I was
0: worried about some other things that were there that weren't right. Weren't things that God would want me worried about. Mm -hmm. And I was able to uncover those writing in this journal. So it was like workbooks,
1: homework, journaling. That's amazing. Yes. That sounds like something I could benefit from. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here going, how can I fit this into my life? Right, right.
0: Probably not right now. You're busy.
1: (laughs) No, but that is so amazing. Okay, we will definitely put this to information in the show notes so that others who are listening go, hey, I could benefit from something like that can find it and uh, benefit from it as well. So let's jump into some of the lessons you've learned through this journey.
0: I, I tried to answer this question the other day and just wrote pages and pages. <laughs> so, my favorites, one of the biggest things was that we cannot let this Prada-Willi syndrome control our family. Mm. We have got to control our family and keep our dreams and our hopes as a family alive and then add the prader willi syndrome into it. Mm. I wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. I'm a pilot's wife. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about that in my life. Oh, yeah. Um, you can't travel, probably. Mm. That will never happen. Mm-hmm. And that started to discourage me. It started to make me feel like I was losing hope.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so uh, Justin and I put our heads together, and as we would work through these workbooks with this therapy, we realized that we have got to keep our goals. And things in life. And Heavenly Father, God is going to help us mm-hmm. do that. He sent us Sarah for a reason.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is who we are. Mm-hmm. And He knew this. Mm-hmm. He sent Sarah, this proud Early child, to our house. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was still thinking about it. But we needed to figure out why God sent her to this house. That mm-hmm. He knew that these kinds of things were going to go on here. Mm-hmm. That we were going to be traveling. Mm-hmm. That Justin was going to be gone a lot mm-hmm. at a time. He knew who we were. Mm-hmm. So we began to figure out how we were going to travel no matter what. I love this. I, I really needed to <laughs> It probably to know.
1: gave you hope. Yes. Though.
0: Yes. What did this look like? I would do things like, okay, I've got to teach Sarah what foods are healthy and good for her body and what aren't. Mm-hmm. So we found a little program called the Red Yellow Green Diet. For little kids, um, diabetes usually is what it's used for. Uh-huh. But it was a visual we could teach her, like, green foods are good for you, uh-huh. red foods are soft foods. And I would plaster these things up on my wall to mm-hmm. teach her. But we were determined uh-huh. to teach her these things so uh-huh. that she could start to be a, a part of her diet. Right. So that eventually when we travel, then she can be in a restaurant looking at a menu with us going, well, that's not a great. Uh-huh. So it looks like that. It yeah. looked like me going, okay, we want to get here mm-hmm. with our special needs child.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What do I How have do do to it? do? What are the steps I have to take to get there? Mm -hmm. How can I train her to get on an airplane with me?
1: Mm -hmm. We practice a lot. I bet you did.
0: (laughs) So we would fly like every And
1: you knew someone that had an in there. Yes,
0: (laughs) I did. So every couple months, I would pack my little kids up. We'd go visit Grandma and Grandpa because it was free in Utah. And we needed to see them. It Uh was all, but in that process, I was thinking in my head, I'm teaching her. Yes. I've got to teach her that this is what we do. Uh We walk through airports, and this is how we do it. And we get on the plane. Mm -hmm. And when we're mad. We're about something. Mm-hmm. We don't have to kick people.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't
0: have to be thrown off airplanes. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a couple moments that were You're really hard.
2: Yeah. Yes,
0: and we fly standby. Uh-huh. Like, we're last on the plane. Mm-hmm. And they only take you if they want to take you. <laughs> so I can't have a child that's <laughs> screaming and crying and kicking, you know. Yeah. So we had to practice. That's kind of what that looked like. Mm-hmm. That's why a lesson learned for us is I just, I couldn't let Prader-Willi syndrome control our family.
1: Like we were You had to, to, to figure it. out how to make teach her what she the, the skills she needed to learn so that she could help all of you achieve your dreams. Yes.
0: That's it. Yeah. Yes. And I, I'm sure she enjoys
1: visiting oh, she people. Is. She
0: loves people. loves people she wanted to get to that point too i know she did someday when we're standing in heaven she can really tell me (laughs) i know she'll really tell me that like thank you for not staying home every day that would have driven me crazy
2: oh me too sister yes
0: Yes. so that was it was i another little dream of what that looked like for us was um justin's really an athletic guy and Mm -hmm. he loves running
2: Mm -hmm. he
0: loves it he Mm -hmm. wants to get out and he wants to do that Mm -hmm. We haven't started snow skiing again together because it's so expensive, but we're about to start that. Nice. So how is it, how do we get Sarah on the ski slopes with us? Mm -hmm. How do we get her out there running? Our son, Spencer, runs cross country. He Mm. runs like a mile in like five minutes. He's super fast. Yes. So how, what do we make that look like? How do we hike as a family and have Sarah keep up with us? Well, we've had to keep her fit, physically Mm -hmm. fit, and keep her exercising. That was really difficult. It took us years to teach her how to ride a bike.
1: Yes, I know a, that feeling.
0: Yes, it took us years to get her to even walk around the block with us. Mm-hmm. So, would you believe, now at 16 years old, this is unheard of for Proud really. Mm-hmm. They don't do stuff like this. She is running on the high school cross country team. Wow. She came home from practice this week telling me that she ran four miles. Wow. And it's not adaptive that she's doing. She's running with the cross-country team. Wow. She's slower, and she's the slowest one on the team, but she is going. And wow. she is doing it, and she's running, and it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing to watch her do these things that I was told she would never do. Yeah. Proud of releasing their own kids, can be 400 pounds and can't move. Right. Like, we had to figure out, how are we going to help her be a part of this family? So I think that's why that's such an important, like, I'm super passionate about that. If you've got a special needs child, what is it going to look like for you? Mm-hmm. How are you going to make your family function still?
1: Yes. And that is important because I've noticed that with, with our kiddos as well. I think this is important, this concept of, I think so many times people, People get a diagnosis like that in their family, and it just paralyzes the family. And it, it obviously, you went through a period of, I guess you could call it, per- paralyzation, Absolutely. you know? yes. And, and I think it, it takes almost a mental shift yes. of, I'm not going to let this hold me back. Yes. We can survive and thrive, maybe in a different way than we originally thought, yes. but how can we make this work? And that's where it's a good thing to brainstorm with other people and include God in those brainstorms because he'll give us ideas on how we can specifically implement these new dreams and visions into our family specifically.
0: I know he can. Yeah. I know he did for us. Yeah. I absolutely give him that glory that I did not do this on my own. Yeah. You know, he's helped us get her on that track team by mm-hmm. just planting us like little ideas along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, do this do this do this
1: and that's fantastic so don't let disabilities hold you back find uh, maybe a different and unique way of approaching them with god's absolutely. help right absolutely with that's, god's help that's amazing Spider. i love this i love this oh what a great lesson all right what else do you want to share with us what other lessons
0: you never know what goes on behind another closed door mm-hmm. i have stood in grocery store i love somebody judged. I've stood at the zoo and been completely judged. Mm -hmm. I've stood in church (laughs) and have people say things to me that I could have let destroy me and never go back again. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've learned by this is that they aren't walking in my shoes. Mm -hmm. They don't realize what it took for me to get Sarah out that door to church that day. Mm-hmm. They don't realize why I'm talking about zero calories in the grocery store aisle
2: mm-hmm.
0: with little kids. Because it doesn't seem right, does it? No. But they had no idea mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. we were talking about that standing there. Going through those hard moments
2: mm-hmm.
0: was realize, I don't want to ever, 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 ever want to be that person to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, on that little journey of trying to do that for others, I came across this word called Genschein.
1: Never heard of that.
0: Word. I wouldn't think most people have. <laughs> In fact, I tried to look it up on the internet, and I only saw it, like pop up like one, one or two places. But it's a Hindi word uh-huh. that means "never make someone else feel small." That is awesome. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes. Like, if you think about it long and hard, it means charity to me. Mm-hmm. It means the pure love of Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It means realizing that every person up and down your street and everywhere you go something going on behind their door Mm -hmm. that you don't know about and you need to love them and and just treat them like christ would no matter what never make them feel small i love that yes i i just that's become really 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 important to me um it's the mercy i
1: hoped people would show me right that i want to be showing to others that's awesome wow Fantastic lesson number two. Holy mm-hmm. cow. All right. What else do you want to teach us today? <laughs> Holy cow. I'm going to start taking notes. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. You're sweet.
0: <laughs> I just, man, it's taught me life is fragile. But I want to not let things go unsaid or undone because I almost lost my babies. Mm-hmm. They almost disappeared on me. hmm You know, I was in a really bad spot in my life, and I'm glad I bounced back, but what if I hadn't? Yeah. Life is so fragile. Every day is important. It's taught me to to just remember that, Mm -hmm. to remember to resolve things with relationships that are important to me.
1: And that's especially important. I know you've mentioned um, your spouse several times. (sighs) Parenting special needs kids is tricky. I mean, parenting normal kids is tricky, right? But special needs kids always seem to throw and add a little other. dimension. Yes.
0: I'm it's another sure dimension it in is. There, that's what it is. Something else is that.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, I love that. So what advice would you give then to people who are struggling or in a dark place right now?
0: You know, I think Christ is always the answer. Mm -hmm. I would start there first, always. I I mentioned a little bit about how habits are going through the motion. That saved me and would take me back to Christ all the time. If Christ is important to us, somewhere in our life, we've done something that's brought us close to Him, right? Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: I think, let's remember those things, whatever they were. For Mm -hmm. me, they were things like praying, Mm -hmm. reading my scriptures, Listening to music would bring me close to God. Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like for me. And when I wasn't feeling it, and I wasn't, um, I was feeling like God was far away from me. Mm -hmm. I know better. I know He's not. I know it's me Mm that I am far away. That if I just do those habits, those things where I've come close to Him in my past, Mm -hmm. I keep them up. I'm gonna fill them again. The words came dreams came, feelings came, mm-hmm. answers came, healing. Whether the trial I wanted to go away went away or not, I was carried through.
1: Yeah. Because life is heavy. Yeah. And there are so many hard things. And it's, I don't know how people go through on their own, honestly. I don't
0: either. I can't. I don't. Yeah. I don't function on my own. No. I, I need God. I need my Savior. Um, he, he is healing.
1: That's awesome.
0: I think that, that it just takes me in and it's something else that I've learned that it just, the, the eternal perspective, I know that it's who I am is not just what I am here on this earth. Mm-hmm. Like I know that we existed before we came here to earth mm-hmm. and that we are going somewhere after. Mm-hmm. And there is a whole eternal plan here mm-hmm. that my Heavenly Father has for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about Sarah to walk through that door one more time and ask me what's for dinner Mm -hmm. or why she can only have that much milk or Mm -hmm. why only one more plate of food. Mm -hmm. It is so wearing, Mm -hmm. it's so hard. Mm -hmm. Those daily pressures that come upon me every single time I eat. Mm -hmm. And keeping that eternal perspective of God sent me this child And I'm going places. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be stuck in this daily Groundhog's Day. Every (laughs) single day.
2: (laughs) For forever. For
0: forever. Right? (laughs) I'm not going to be as much as it feels like that right now. Amen. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be. There's something more to come. Mm -hmm. Someday I'm going to be standing up for this, Sarah. And she has a perfected body. And I have a perfected body. And we're going to be able to talk to each other. And I'm going
1: to want to tell her everything. I love that. And I know that's something that I look forward to as well with, with my kiddos, especially Nathan, that someday I'll be able to have a normal conversation with them. I look forward to that. Day. You do. I bet you do. <laughs> I look forward. So I think it's okay to have that vision that, yeah, life is tough and it's going to be tough. But someday <laughs> – and forever we'll be able to talk and have normal conversations with these special needs kids or kids that are struggling or whatever it is people we love that are struggling and and it will all be okay you know if mm-hmm. Jesus Christ will take those pains away and those sorrows and those just like he healed here on earth you know yeah. we'll all be healed We will be What other advice would you give?
0: You know, I'm a huge advocate for my other two children. Mm-hmm. Siblings of special needs kids, mm-hmm. they get overshadowed a lot.
2: They do, don't they?
0: A lot. <laughs> it's happened in my house. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I have to be reminded often of, wait, okay, where are they? <laughs> where are they? <laughs> We're and are so go- Yes, <laughs> and go find them. Go we'll look in their eye. Show them you care be there for him, and sometimes it looks like getting someone to just take the special needs kid upstairs in the other room, or on a walk, or out of the house, so that I can actually have that conversation with that, that sibling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it looks like um, just taking him out of school, because the special needs kid's at school, too, <laughs> and taking him on a date and going, I'll help you make up your homework, let's go.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes it looks like, um, no, Sarah, you can't do that today. I'm going to cancel your therapy. I'm going to Spencer's track me. Sometimes it looks like me braining Sarah. Mm -hmm. We're going to cheer him on. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a godsend that has helped us take care of our two other children um, is finding what funding in the state will provide us with respite care Mm -hmm. or help. Here in Utah happens to be DSPD. Mm-hmm. So we got Sarah on that wait list as soon as possible. And I would set a little alarm on my phone <laughs> to call them once a month,
2: mm-hmm. the same
0: time every month to tell them what was going on in our home mm-hmm. and not sugarcoat anything mm-hmm. so that I could get help. Mm-hmm. I have help now. I have an aid that comes, that's funded to take care of Sarah so that I can be for my kids, my, my other two kids. And our home has never been happier.
1: That's ever. That's like, it is, and I think this goes for almost any scenario where you're a caretaker, a caregiver. You sure. have to have respite. For sure.
0: You've got to take care of yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And you've got, to t- you've got to watch out for the other people that you're in charge of. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have three babies, not yeah. one. <laughs> yes, and and I will just add one of the most important things that, that comes first right after God, is me and Justin. Mm -hmm. We have learned over these last 18 years of marriage to put each other first, right after God. Mm -hmm. Some people ask me, how can you do that? Not your kids first. Well, when me and Justin are happy, we're there for our kids. We're amazing. Mm -hmm. We're great parents Mm -hmm. when me and Justin are happy. And this all began. We have these kids because I fell in love with Justin. Mm -hmm. He is the most amazing, amazing person to me. Mm -hmm. He's the only way I've made it through Mm -hmm. all of this because he prays to God. He listens to inspiration with me. Mm -hmm. And he picks me up off the bathroom floor, drives me to therapy, Mm -hmm. takes me to find doctors I need and medication I need. And he helps me... um, those days when I've had it with his kids (laughs) you know Justin they're your kids what should (laughs) I do with them and he helps me with that he is Mm -hmm. my right hand Mm -hmm. he is I don't know what I'd ever do without him Mm -hmm. and I think we need to treat each other as spouses that way aren't we so blessed Mm -hmm. that when one's down or working on something really hard the other one can lift them up Yeah, Um, I think that's Another huge lesson learned.
1: I agree. I think I know that's one thing that when we were early in our marriage, we learned that continual courtship was imperative. And I know that not every household has that blessing of uh, two spouses that are in it and committed and all that stuff. And so, if you have that, God bless you. And if you don't, <laughs> find other ways that you can get rescued. Absolutely. Right.
0: Whatever it takes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. find help, ask yeah. for help, rely. It's, it's too much to do about. Mm-hmm. It really is.
0: It really is. It really is. I think, and sometimes, I mean, look, Justin's across the country from me sometimes. He's not always right here with me. Yeah. And so I've had to be creative in other ways, but I, I like joining associations, that, mm-hmm. like this prada really Association. I find other prada really families that go through the exact same thing as us. And I'll tell you what, of all the conferences and things we go to together, favorites of mine are when we sit and just talk about experiences and laugh our head off <laughs> and cry together and uh-huh. just relate and I come yeah. home fueled again
1: yeah I just because there's other people that have been through other similar
0: people things. that have been through similar things it's yeah. an okay thing to do
1: that and I think that's important whatever the diagnosis is
0: mm-hmm.
1: find other people that are in that same boat mm-hmm. and and you will you will have those laughing and crying experiences yeah. together it is. Oh, yeah.
0: I would even say, like, there could be other areas of your life that you could find that group from. Like, maybe mm-hmm. not other expressions, parents always.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: it's um, a pilot association. Mm-hmm. Like, I joined a Facebook group of women spouses of pilots mm-hmm. and it's one of my very favorite associations and That's we laugh awesome. and cry about things <laughs> The day he leads is horrible uh-huh. and you know it's 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 neat to just have something in common with a group of people mm-hmm.
1: amen sister that is so so important i found that to be true as well wonderful any other tips or advice before we start winding up here
0: We laughed at the beginning of this whole thing about how one of my passions is cleaning and organizing. There you go. Nothing brings me greater joy than taking a closet and a disaster and turning it into just something that makes sense. I love it.
1: You need to come to my house.
0: (laughs) I'm coming, Tamara. I love it. I love it. It makes, and not everybody does. I get laughed at for that. It is so funny and so silly. But I think over the years, I have found that that was somewhere I had control. Mm-hmm. and that I just get great satisfaction. I, I know it brings me joy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so sometimes I literally set aside time on my calendar to clean a closet.
1: Or, That's awesome. Girl. Yeah,
0: I literally do that because <laughs> it's hard to find that time for our passions and things that we like, That's right? That's
1: true. You, you have to schedule that. You have to almost. schedule
0: it. You yeah, just like an appointment. It. Just like an appointment and give that a lot of time to myself to mm-hmm. do whatever.
1: Well, why don't you share with me really quick what Bible verses have become Important to you through this journey.
0: Two specifically stick out to me. One is Psalms forty six ten.
1: Why don't Um, you read it to us? Be
0: still and know that I am God. I love that. And after listening to all my experiences, I'm sure you can see why I need to be still. When I take those moments out of my life and just sit, whether I'm on a mountain. Or I'm in my car. Sometimes I go park in the parking lot. Or pouring over my scriptures in my bed mm-hmm. on the couch in my prayer. And I take the time to be still. I always leave there knowing that he is God. Mm-hmm. He is control. He's got it.
1: That's so awesome. awesome.
0: I think so. And then my other scripture, I've always loved the story of Mary in Luke and in Having a baby, Jesus Christ, born to her. Mm-hmm. What a marvelous miracle that is. Oh, yes. And then the story of Elizabeth in her later childbearing years, mm-hmm. having a baby born to her. Yeah. And what a miracle.
1: Yes, it was. Like,
0: it's just beautiful. And so, this one particular scripture in Luke of chapter 1, mm-hmm. verse 37, it says, For with God, nothing shall be impossible.
1: And that's beautiful.
0: I love it because I've seen that work in my life. Nothing has been impossible. Mm -hmm. I made it out of that hospital room, not with a healed child. Mm -hmm. It's a really difficult situation in my hand, but it's not impossible to have peace and have a wonderful, beautiful journey ahead of me with her when God is involved.
1: Mm -hmm. He makes it possible. Like you said, with Sarah, she shouldn't be doing what she's doing, you know, yeah. running cross-country and stuff like that. That's impossible. Yeah. But yet it was possible. With God. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I, it gives me the chills every time. And if someone has um, found this information just so amazing and awesome and they just fell in love with you, is there a way that they can reach out and find you? So probably the
0: best way is I am willing to give my personal email. I would love mm-hmm. To email you back um m underscore Croff is my last name Mm -hmm. and you spell that k r o f f Mm -hmm. and it's at hotmail.com very good yeah awesome um you can also message me on facebook very good
1: and we'll put all these links in the show notes so that you can find them easily awesome Mm -hmm. this is perfect megan thank you so much for sharing this incredible journey i mean it really has been a journey Mm -hmm. right ups and downs and sideways and loop it's a roller coaster that's what it is Yes. (laughs) thanks for sharing your roller coaster with us today and and for giving us hope that no matter how dark things are things can get better as you turn to god so thank you
0: you're welcome thank you for having me
1: hey thanks so much for listening to today's show I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were and also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget what were those great things. So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden above all else. Remember, God loves you.